I want to impart something tonight by way of hope, promise from the Holy Spirit about spiritual manifestation. And I believe that God is preparing a new move of His Spirit. And um, I know I'm in touch at least with, with uh, some of this because many people are saying the same thing. Different prophetic people around the world are hearing the Holy Spirit preparing us and gently speaking to us about a move coming. Now, um, we can't make it happen, all right? There's certain things that we can do to cooperate and flow with this, but we can't make it happen. If it is a move of God, God has to do the moving. But there is something that is, I think, at the heart of it, and that is the secret of all spiritual manifestation. I'm going to touch on it today. Travailing prayer. Travailing prayer. And I get this from the story of Elijah, 1 Kings 18. Uh, you may recall the story. It spreads over previous chapters. Elijah has been called to be a prophet, to declare God's purposes and to show that God has power over all the forces of nature because they were worshipping the so-called gods of, the nat of nature. The Baal worship, Ashtara worship. It was an agricultural society and it was a kind of fertility pagan religion that they were following. And Elijah is raised up to say, there shall be no more rain until I say so. And for three, three and a half years it did not rain. And in the process, and you can read the story yourself, and I've mentioned some of it in the series in Revival Times, and you'll get to that place where the time has come for the drought to be over. When the dryness in the air, the dryness in the sky, God's purpose in the dryness, God's purpose in the desert time, God's purpose in the darkness, God's purpose in the deepest time, the deepest agony of your soul is about to come to an end because a new day is coming, the rains are coming. I'm, I'm glad we started off with let it rain, 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 and then David said fire, fire, fire. And I suppose they want the rain to put out the fire, but both happens in Elijah's life. It calls down the fire, and when the fire is called down, the confrontation takes place. And beyond that, now he says the, 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 the bondage is over, the drought is over. I declare a new season of joy, a new season of prosperity, and a new season of blessing. Let's read it for ourselves. 1 Kings 18, verse 41 to 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And on the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say thus, prepare your, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. 
And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, I want to suggest to you, and it's by no means a criticism of anything that we're doing, anything that we represent, anything that's happening in this house or anywhere else, but I believe that we are in a dry place. I mean, I'm not saying there's no blessing, but I believe that by comparison to what God wants to do, we will soon discover how dry we really were. And there are seasons of dryness, there are seasons of testing, there are seasons of barrenness, and it's important that we understand that as we move from one season to the other. We know that not everything is all going to be the same, and there are certain seasons. But I believe that there is a drought that is present in the spiritual atmosphere that God wants to break. And the nation of Israel was, had been through just that kind of drought. It was not just a natural drought. It was a spiritual drought as well. I think Britain is in the midst of a spiritual drought in many, many ways. And we need an army of warriors, prayer warriors, who will intercede with travailing prayer to bring the manifestation of the promised blessings of God. Now, there can be no manifestation without travailing prayer. That's not all there is to it. Because when you understand what travailing prayer is, it's something that God births in you. You can weep and wail and gnash your teeth as much as you like. You're not going to get God's intention. But when God lays something in your spirit, and that triggers a response from deep within you, when this comes upon you, then you know it's from God. You don't manufacture it. So let's have a little look at some of these things here, some principles that come out of it. And um, I don't just mean that we do this f corporately for the corporate life. That's, that's, that's true. That's important, people of God. But it's also something for our own lives spiritually. Now, let's just go through some spiritual pointers bit by bit. So first of all, Elijah says to Ahab, Ahab is the king. Ahab is one of the problems. He's one of the big problems right now. And him and his wife Jezebel, they are a ripe pair, and they are leading Israel astray. He's part of the problem. So uh, uh, Elijah knows that Ahab has no part in this. Now this is something, don't misunderstand me, but there are people who will never participate in what I'm about to describe. I wish it wasn't so. I wish we could all flow with the Holy Spirit, but not everybody will. And that makes it all the more important for those who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do will cooperate with him. I think more could, but there are certain people that you have to separate yourself from. So Elijah says to Ahab, go. Go and eat and drink. Go and get involved in the stuff. Just, just go somewhere else. Go and do something else. You have no part in this. And now, you may not feel that's a very polite word for some of your friends or some of the people you're holding you back, but you know if people are holding you back, if there are people who are not encouraging you to go deeper with God, don't have to be rude. Let them go. Let them go to the movies. Let them go out wherever they want to go. Let them watch television. Let them go out with their friends. Do everything you want, but you are going to seek God. There are some people who are going to say, I am going to seek God. Not that those things are wrong. Eating and drinking is not wrong. Ahab had to eat and drink to live. It's not wrong. But there is a time when we have to separate ourselves from the normal, regular stuff and discipline ourselves in the presence of God and say, God, I am going to seek your face. 
Now, why? Was it that he decided, Elijah said, okay, what's next? I think I'll go and seek God. I believe and trust that he sought God every day of his life, but there was something special. Something was triggered in his spirit. He knew, having called down fire on the sacrifice and all the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth were judged, he knew now that something was going to take place in the spiritual realm and he was listening to it. He said, hey, it's time for me to seek God because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Now, what, what, what does this mean? He, he could hear in the spirit in advance of the manifestation he got, he got to grips with. He got a revelation from God concerning the season that was about to happen. And I, I promise you, well, I, can't, I, don't suppose I, I can promise you, but I'm, I feel so sure about this that I feel I, I could promise you that if you listen in the quietness of your spirit, if, if you set yourself apart to seek God and listen, you are going to hear the sound of abundance of rain. I was on the telephone call before the service and a friend of mine, no, no idea what I was going to speak about, said, what is it? I hear rain. What is it I'm hearing? I'm hearing rain. I'm hearing rain. Well, there was some other place. I don't know if it was raining there. It wasn't raining there. It wasn't raining here. He picked up on it. I hear rain. What's happening? I hear rain. Do you hear rain? Listen. Listen. Because it's a sign from the Spirit of God that is calling us to do something. So now, okay, uh, we have Elijah. He was, as we say, God-inside-minded. Remember there's an old faith confession that said, I am god inside minded anybody heard of that one before okay god inside minded in other words the holy spirit is living on the inside of me and because he's there i can have the mind of christ i can have the mind of the holy spirit learn to walk in that mind and to be sharp in that mind and uh, you know when this happens to me it's, it's always a surprise and what is surprising how can i demonstrate it could I have two strong guys here to catch me just in case I fall? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to fall. It's like you live life on the edge, all right? Don't get nervous. Somebody, somebody close Amanda's eyes. It's okay. <laughs> Walking in the Holy Spirit is just like I'm standing now. You're just on the edge. And at any moment, something can happen. All right, another picture of it, take, taking a step back to safety, is on your tiptoes, just, just on the edge. Not on the edge in terms of a negative thing, but in a positive thing. You're always listening. You're always ready. So when those signals come, it's yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And when you learn to be that attuned, and you'll be walking through the day, everybody looks like you're okay, no problem, everything's smooth, everything's cool, but you're listening to God. And in those moments, you can drop something in your spirit, which can turn into a miracle, a spiritual manifestation, if you learn this principle. So be God inside minded, not fleshly minded. This revelation comes from revelation knowledge, not from sense data. I mean, even the servant, he couldn't hear the rain. He couldn't even see the cloud because it was invisible to the natural eye. So much of what determines our life 
is determined by the spiritual realm, by the invisible realm. That's the real realm. I've been speaking about that today. That's the real realm, the realm of heaven where God rules, where God reigns, where Christ is seated with authority and from where he is directing the great moves of God on the earth. So learn how to tune down your sense data and to move into revelation knowledge. And I want to ask you a really, really challenging question today. For many of you, the Ahab life is what you know now. And many of you think, well, I don't know about many of you, but when I say many of you, I'm speaking to all, 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 all Christians. I can't say many of you, but many Christians today, some of you perhaps, but many Christians today, they're very happy with an Ahab kind of life. Get me out of trouble, Lord. Make sure everything works. Make sure the rain, rain comes. But I, I, I don't know how it's going to happen. That's over to other people. Other people are going to have to sort that out. I think the Holy Spirit is saying it is time for the people of God to stand up and take responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere of this nation. Can I say that again? It is time for the people of God to rise up and take responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere of this nation because we can change the atmosphere if we listen to God. The rain is coming. Are you spiritually concerned? Or are you spiritually complacent? Are you burdened in the spirit or indifferent? Do you have an apathetic spirit? Where do your concerns lie? Could God trust you with a spiritual revelation? Would you be disciplined enough? Do you care enough to set aside time, extra time, to be sensitive to God and to be one of the people that God is using to bring to birth the new spiritual manifestation that can sweep thousands of people into the kingdom of God and can turn around the destiny of a city and a nation? Is that you? The Holy Spirit asks you. So, <clears throat> the sound of rain. And it was as if Elijah was saying, I can announce the next move of God. I hear the sound of rain. But what he did not do was travel around Israel on a preaching tour announcing the next move of God. There is a time for that and a place for that. He knew that there would be no move of God unless he allowed God to birth this move through his own life of prayer and intercession. One of the things that I've been doing in Brazil is interviewing young people. And uh, the interviews are going to be put up on the Portuguese Facebook, Portuguese-speaking Facebook some of it will be translated. And one of the questions I'm asking these young people, these are young people on the edges of the church or outside the church, people who think, the people who we're missing, certainly in Brazil, they're, ne they're never going to be one for what we're doing now in Brazil. It's a new generation, they need a new move of God. And I ask them, what do they think of the church? And some are very complimentary but most are very critical. So then I do something which came to me spontaneously in the first interview I did. I said, well, there's a camera there. Look into the camera and speak to the pastors of Brazil. And you should see them. And, and their criticism turns to passion. Here's what some, somebody said. What I want to say to you pastors is you've got to stop preaching your own opinions and the stuff that 
pleases people, start preaching the true word of Christ. And something, one of the first people said this, pastors, you need to speak less and listen more. Wow. The pain of a generation that has been missed out, not listened to. And I want to say this to myself and to all church leaders, including our cell leaders. We need to say less and pray more. Say less and pray more. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk, but I'm saying we should pray more. Because then when we, when we stand up, we'll be able to announce the good things of God, not just go on and on our own strength. So he announced the next move of God, but he turned to prayer. So what, what is this next move? What is it all about? Okay, just I'll throw out some things which I think are fairly obvious to me. And I know that some people agree with this. And, and maybe there's more to it and we'll keep listening. But the first thing, the point I really made is that this next move of God, like all moves to God, is going to be birthed in prayer. I'm not saying that prayer is going to make it happen, because prayer does not make anything to happen. God makes it to happen. And when we pray, we link with the God who gives us the words to say, and he brings it about. Okay? Now then, at the top of this list of what this manifestation is going to be, there's going to be a love of righteousness that will take us all by surprise. Now, what I mean by by that is that we will have birthed in us a new passion for the righteousness of God and for the lifestyle that pleases God. It, I don't want to overstate this because there is no such thing as effortless holiness. You know, you don't just waft along in some spirit of holiness without having to discipline, to bring some discipline in your life. And uh, it, it talks, Jesus talks about carrying your cross. And that's painful. To be impaled upon a cross daily is painful. And it takes effort. It takes focus. It takes discipline. But without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. But in this move of God, there's going to be such a love of righteousness, such a love of holiness, that will be spontaneous. It'll be the Holy Spirit bursting out of our lives, giving us a love for the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and His righteous standards and everything that makes God happy. We'll be more concerned about what makes God happy than what makes us happy. Amen and amen. Very close to the top of the list also is a love for the Word of God. And I mean the real Word of God. I'm not talking about preachers picking out half a text here, another half a text there, and putting together a whole new message which sounds very nice but is not founded on the right interpretation of Scripture. Are you with me? In a couple of days' time, 31st, which is... uh, um, um, all hails, all, all hallows Eve, which is something, all saints Eve, Eve, all saints day. That is one of the, in the, in the church diary. And, and, uh, and it was 31st of October. And in t- on TBN at six o'clock at night, R.T. Kendall will be presenting a program about Martin Luther, which he filmed in Wittenberg over the summer. And we saw some of it in our Luther conference. And by the way, the Luther Conference was one of the most significant conferences we had. And I want to make sure you get it. We had some top experts. They were amazing. And their teaching was amazing. And um, mind-boggling, brain-stretching. Uh, it was fantastic. It wasn't all lying on the floor going, Hila Mashila. It was scratching your head saying, I hope I can really understand what they're saying. Because they were very, very clever and giving us a lot of stuff. Master that material. It's so important. 
Because whatever else we are, we are thinking, believing people. We believe that we should love God with our hearts and our minds. And the basic message of the Luther Conference was to return to the first principles of the Reformation. And one of the first principles is sola scriptura, meaning only the Bible. Get back to the Bible. The Bible, not human tradition. The Bible, not human interpretation. The Bible, as interpreted by the Holy Spirit and His power in our lives, is the only hope for Britain. And going back to that, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which is the power of God to salvation. It's the only thing that we have. It's the only hope for Britain and we cannot be ashamed of that gospel. It is a simple message. Put your trust in Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Your destiny will be changed and so will your life be changed and God will be your Lord and God will be your Savior. That is the only message that can change a nation. And, and we cannot apologize for it. I mean, many places where I go, they say, no, no, don't talk about John 3.16. We've heard that. Give us some more Hila Mashila. Give us some more Shamayandais. They, they want the charismatic manifestation. But if you're not careful, it won't even be the Holy Spirit that is manifesting unless you know that you are founded on the Word of God. It is the Scripture that will bring this revival. The Word of God. Get back to that. We are a word and spirit church. Something else I believe is going to happen. We're going to be uh, uh, amazed at the level of power that God will commit to his people. We will be amazed at the level of power. Now, you know, when we talk about power, there are certain levels. I'm speaking about power. Okay, let's use electrical power. Let's, let's use some of the power analogies. Not that the Holy Spirit's like electricity, but there are levels of manifestation of power, all right? I mean, I know there's a difference between the car that I drive and some of the cars that I've been in. Let's just leave it there, all right? Okay. And when God trusts us with his levels of his power, you will be amazed. You will be amazed. You will speak a word and you won't even really know much about the workings of this necessarily, but you will speak a word and something will happen. You'll be in a hospital and you put your hands on somebody and their eyes will open, blind eyes will open. And you'll say, what happened? And God will say, I did that. Okay, levels of power. You'll walk down the street and the word of knowledge will be telecharged into your, Holy, into your spirit by the Holy Spirit and you will know stuff you could never know but by supernatural revelation. And a word will come forth from you and you'll be able to speak about the destiny of individuals and people. God will give you the ability to read people's mail without opening the letters. All right? You got that one? Because God always works in power. Spiritual manifestations. Now as I travel around, I see a rising of the level of false miracles. Okay, do you know what I'm trying to say? Because the devil does his stuff and, and he's getting, he's very active. And what's the church doing? Well, I tell you what we do, we're getting ready for the power of God's going to hit us in a new way. Spiritual manifestation. Another thing that I feel about this, and this is confirmed over and over again, as you just pick up, maybe you've seen some of this stuff as well, different conferences, different reputable men and women of God. This revival is a revival that's going to hit the streets. Think about it. Going to hit the streets. I said, 
it's going to hit the streets. It's not just going to be something that we sit and enjoy in church buildings. This revival is going to be on the outside. Not just the inside. It's going to be on the outside. We're going to carry this revival. What's going to happen, I believe, uh, and I'm getting really excited about this, and, you know, we need to pray into it all. I'm, I'm not just declaring this and in an empty way. We've got to intercede over all of this. What's going to happen? The glory of God is going to come upon our lives in such a way that even we won't even know how rich and how full that glory is. And we're going to build, we're going to go into work. We're going to shake somebody with a hand. They're going to fall down under the power of God. They're going to stand up, stand up saved and speaking in tongues. They're going to say, wow, what hit me? I don't know. Amen. You're going to go into hospitals and say, hi, I hope you get well. And when you say get well, the power is going to touch me. I'm going to get well right on the spot. Okay. I'm not exaggerating this. I'm not saying this is going to be like every minute of every day. But this stuff is going to happen because when we're in the glory of God, then something happens to us. His glory rubs off unto us. The anointing is about the rubbing off of the glory of God into your soul and into your spirit. And when you are a carrier of this, you carry it wherever you go. And it won't be about this person or that person or this great man of God or that even greater woman of God. It'll be about ordinary people carrying the glory of God in an anonymous way. It doesn't matter who they are, who prayed for whom, who laid hands on whom, whose picture is on the cover of the magazine. All of that will be irrelevant and indeed irreverent because all the glory will go to Jesus. Give him a mighty praise in this house tonight. Now come on people of God, a mighty praise. So travailing prayer begins by being spiritually minded. That was my first point. Second and third is going to be very quick. It only operates through those who are separated. He said, you go and eat. I'm going to the top of the mountain. It was a lonely place. High place of intercession. It cost him time, it cost him separation, but he had to be correctly positioned. Why the top of the mountain? Is, it, is the atmosphere more holy up there? No. Though there is something about the mountains of God, isn't, isn't there? It's because he was positioning himself to watch and pray. That's why he sent his servant. He said, go and watch Come back and report. What do you see? Nothing. Seven times. Then he said, there's a, a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. Correctly positioned on the top of the mountain. I want to ask you this deeply and sincerely and let the Holy Spirit take this message home with you. Are you correctly positioned to be in the place where God wants you to be, to be used as a vehicle of the coming revival? Oh, please don't let that get lost in the car park. Get this message, underline it. He is calling people to watch and pray. Okay, separated. Next point. It comes to the spiritually minded, it comes to the separated, it comes to those who are willing to travail in the spirit. Point number three, travail in the spirit. The Bible says of Messiah in Isaiah 53, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Two things here, there would be no fruit if there was no travail. But the, at where, the, where there is travail, there will be fruit. That's what's so wonderful about this spirit of travail. When that spirit of travail comes on you, you know something is going to happen. 
when it first happened to me and I was travailing, I didn't know what it was. There was no Bible teaching on it. I just found myself <coughs> in my digs in Bournemouth when I was on tour and this agonizing came into my spirit. I had no idea what it was. If I felt it was the Spirit of God and, and then something happened not long after that, a spiritual manifestation, signs and wonders took place on the street. Somebody came to Christ through my witness and my testimony and I knew it was linked to that travail. The fruit of travail has to come first from travail. The travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. When Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus, the Bible says several times, Jesus groaned in his spirit. It was not just the agony of losing a friend. It was not just the pain in his soul, his emotions. It was the agony of the spirit as he knew that he was bringing to birth a manifestation of the glory of God that would be spoken out for all time and eternity. He was birthing something in his spirit. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, now is my soul troubled. He was birthing. He sweat great drops of blood. He was birthing even, even to the point of death. So big was his agony. In Romans 8, it speaks about the creation groaning. It talks about us groaning in the spirit and it talks about the spirit groaning in us through words that cannot be uttered. Deep sighing, deep groaning through words that cannot be uttered. This is the new, this is the manifestation of the new creation which comes through travail in your spirit. It's the manifestation of new creation, agonizing. And that's what Elijah was doing. How do we know? Well, first thing he did was he bowed his head to the ground and put his head between his knees. Any midwife will know that that is the best birthing position. So guys, if you're ever in that situation, you now know what to do. Any more instruction will be given by our nursing staff here tonight. And what was he birthing? He was birthing the new manifestation of God, the new move of God, agonizing. Final point, then comes manifestation.